0: Jewish audio on Kaban.org. With the help of Hashem, we are learning Bava Kama Dav Kuf Tezvav. We left off on Daf Kuf Yud Dalid Bey's eleven lines from the bottom by the Mishnah. We have a, an amazing Mishnah here. Says the Mishnah like this: Hamakir Let's speak about Reuven. Reuven recognizes that his utensils or usfarav his sefer, whether it's a sefer Torah, whether it's what we call svarim, is biyad he sees his stuff in Shimon's house. Now hold on. On top of that, the Yatzelay Shem Geneva Be'er, there was a rumor that already circulated in the city that there was a Geneva, there was a theft or there was a robbery in Ruven's home. And Shimon is saying, "One one second. I bought this from Levi. I never knew it was stolen. I paid for it." Ruven is saying, "Listen, you might have bought it from Levi, but Lady stole it from me, and there is already a rumor that there was a theft in the house of the So, that is enough circumstantial evidence and a lot more in the Gemara for us to say that indeed these utensils, these kalem, belong to the oven. Again, more details that we can know that these used to belong to the oven. Being that there is a rumor that there was theft, we don't say the oven sold it. Now he regrets it, so he's denying there was a theft. No, there's already a rumor. So now Shimon has to give back these articles to the Uven. We're going to see a lot more god willing, on Dav Tezvav, whether there was Yush, Let's not forget that if there was Yush, and now there's Shinu Yedishus, even if there was theft, not everyone holds that it has to be returned. That really goes back to the beginning of the Patek. Do we go by Rab Chizda? Rab was the one that said it. That, you know, the victim can collect from whoever he wants. Our Mishnah not only is saying that Reuven gets it back but now our Mishnah is saying something interesting that first Yishav loy lekeach, Kama Nasan, Shimon, first Reuven gets it back. But now Shimon is told in Beisdom to swear how much he paid to Levi, he's claiming he got it from Levi, and, and that money he takes from Reuven, ah. So Reuven gets the item back but Reuven has to pay him to Shimon. One second, it was stolen. So as we were learning in the Gemara that this is part of what we call takanas Hashuk, the Tikkun or the decree that the rabbis made to make sure that commerce flows properly. Imagine, if I buy any item and there's always a possibility, it, there's always a possibility that what I'm buying is stolen, I'm honest, but I would not know that. And if the original owner would be able to retrieve it from me without me getting paid back, People would be afraid to buy things. They would only buy things when the Imamish needed. it. So, in order for the marketplace to function properly, that Chacham made a takana. Now that we are accepting that this was taka stolen, and again, more details, not only was it stolen, but in a way that Uven, the original owner, gets it back, he gets it back. But the buyer who's claiming innocence, and as far as we know, he was not the one that stole it, he bought it from someone else. He gets paid from Ru'uven. The question we'll have in the Gemara is, what happens if the Ghanav is found? So, maybe in such a case, let the buyer get the money back from the thief. Don't forget, he gave the money to the thief. Whether we say that, or regardless, he gets it back from the owner, we'll leave that God willing to Kuf Tezvav, we'll get there God willing today. Now, the Iml'av, meaning, if there is no rumor that there was a theft, so, Laf Kol Heimenu, Ruuven is not going to be believed because Sha'ani Oymeru, I say, in other words, Bezdin can say, maybe Ruuven maybe, willingly sold it to Levi. How do you know he didn't sell it to him? And this Shimon, who has a Cheskas Kashrus, bought it from that person. So, when do we actually allow Ruven to take it back when there was a rumor that there was a Geneva and on which the Gemara asks, I mean, now we're going into the whole sugya of circumstantial evidence. So what if there's a rumor? Tell you more, maybe uven made a rumor. Asks the Gemara Vechi, L'Shem Gedeva Be'ir, my have Leich Hoshdimah Zab-Ninu, maybe Reuven is the one that sold it. And Vuhu niu Komah Pikshma, he's the one that's making noise. Answers the Gemara, our mission is speaking, that we, there were people that were in his house. There were guests there. And they are saying, that in that the middle of the night Reuven got up and he began to make a whole tumult. Oy, there was a theft. And, Muhammad, and he was shouting at night, that my utensils were stolen. Answers, asks the Gemara, what kind of proof is that? What was the question? Okay, there's a rumor. Maybe he made the rumor. So what are they answering? He made the rumor during the night when there were guests in the house. So what? Maybe the whole thing is, a, is, is false. The whole thing is a, is a geneva. Kod shechin sold his precious Sefer Torah. He wants it back, but he sold it willingly. So he waited to have guests, Chacham. And in the middle of the night, he gets up and he shries, oh, hey, geneva. That doesn't answer the question. So Rav Kahana, Messiah, made it off. So Kahana says, because the answer was given by Rav Yehuda Amarav, Rav added, "It wasn't just that the guests are confirming that Reuven began to make a tumult, a gavalt mo. They actually saw a tunnel dug under his house, and not only did they see the tunnel that was the means through which Gan- Ganavim got in and out, Ubenay Adam they also." say yeah, yeah other people guests were with us as well and we saw some of those people that slept in this house that Yotsu and they had bundles of utensils you know in the bag running out from the tunnel uh, that's not to that's other people that were there that are testifying to that and because of that everyone Taka says so now when Reuven says to Shimon hey those are mine then we and believe that it's his, shot. It was those utensils that were stolen. Still asks, The words that Rav Kahana quoted in the name of Rav is that the other guests saw the tunnel. They say that they Taka saw Ganavim leaving there. They saw bundles of utensils. So only utensils. He's The Mishnah spoke about utensils and Tzvarim. So Amarabhi Barav, Amarabhi Echanan, Kegoyin de is and Rav didn't say it, but that's, it has to be that way. Reuven will only be believed to get his Svarim back, even though i will have to pay for it. But the very fact that he gets it back is that there are people who attest that Ganravim stole Svarim also. Still, the Gemara asks, why is that enough? The Dilma Lechus Juzutre, the Kotoyin Rav Revi, maybe the Kalim that were stolen were small ones. The ones that he's claiming might be big ones. You know, it's Even though there are, there, there is witnesses, that attest to the fact that there was a geneva. And they actually saw utensils being stolen. Maybe it was small utensils and he's claiming big ones. This sort of circumstantial evidence will not be enough. It only works if outside people specify those and those books we saw on the backs of those guests who were leaving the house through a tunnel. Why were they leaving the house through a tunnel? They were invited as guests. Because they stole. So it's mamish, almost like evidence. Still the Gemara says it's not good enough. Maybe the Svarim that he took were older ones and he's claiming newer ones. Maybe he himself had old ones and new ones. The old ones were stolen. He sold the new ones and he wants the new ones back. New Svarim have more value than old Svarim. We're not speaking about today basic people with the old Svarim that has a lot of value. A Sefer Torah, a brand new Sefer Torah is going to be good. And the old Sefer Torah many times have to be corrected the whole time. They have less value. So, Amarav, still Rav added, keep going to Amri. Halalu Kalev Shoplanu, Halalu Kalev Shoplani. You know, the din of the Mishnah is so limited now. First of all, there are people that were in the home, that they saw the tunnel, they saw people leaving, and they specified we saw that Sefer was stolen. And later Shimon has it. Shimon claims, I bought it from Levi. We don't know yet where Levi is. So the Mishnah says, since we know that this was stolen, give it back to Ruven. And again, the Kiddush of the Mishnah is, is that Ruven has to pay the buyer. And again, more details. Yehush, not Yehush, we'll get that soon. It still asks, Wow. You know, we learned many times together the rule of come Levi Which means that if a person does one action, for which is Mishah misas based in, for example, if a person, God forbid, broke the Shabbos, and that act of breaking Shabbos was an act of Geneva, then he doesn't have to compensate the financial compensation for the Geneva, because we give the person the more serious punishment. Here we're amplifying this rule. We're saying that if a person does an act, that this act could have caused them to get killed, not through Beisdom. What act, but through whom, when will killing be permitted? In self-defense, a person is allowed to kill. self-defense, defense, a person is obligated to kill. So here's the rule. If a person tunnels into our homes, that means that he breaks into the house in a hidden way. Khazal say he's coming there to steal. But the fact that he's hiding, meaning he's not like the goslin that's not intimidated by the victim. He doesn't want to be caught. If the victim, if the balabas will confront him, he might kill the balabas. And therefore, we view him as a potential murderer. And therefore, the Balabas has the right, and again, sometimes the responsibility, to kill him. So, Hababi Machteres is forfeiting his life. And therefore, Rab already said that when a person tunnels into someone's home, and this is not only Rab, this is even Abihan and everyone, all the damage that he causes, he doesn't have to pay for. Why not? Okay, even though he wasn't actually killed. But that's something that we learned a few times in this mesecta that the Vedabchiskia says that isn't only said where well, you're actually high of misas Bezin. Remember that the person is mechalal shabbos b'shelig since chilul shabbos b'mezid would demand a punishment, a capital punishment. So any sort of chilul shabbos, if that act also is an act of monetary damage, you don't have to pay for the money. So if a person who is baba machteres damages, he doesn't have to pay. That's if he does damage. What happens if he steals and the item that he stole is Ba'en? Rav says even that does not have to be returned. That Babi machteres Even here ve'yotza pate'in ma'itama Because B'dammei Kan'anu, he bought it with his blood. But since he forfeited his life, Kam'le So if the whole case is that there were other guests that are testifying that there was a geneva through machteres so then the Ganif acquired it and if he sold it to Shimon, he sold Shimon what's his. So why would he have to return the item? Answers the Gemara, Hanamili the Kananu, when does Raf say that Ababa Machteris, because he forfeited his life, acquires whatever he stole? Not only does he not have to pay for the damages that he causes, he doesn't have to give back the items that he stole. That's only Bibabim Achteres. Only a person who entered the house through a tunnel. In other words, Dimi Kodamas and tala, He forfeited his life. But these people, they were guests. They didn't enter, they didn't tunnel into the house. They only tunneled out of the house. When the Ganif is leaving the house, he can't kill him. Because he only can kill him because if you confront him, he's gonna kill you once he's leaving don't confront him and he won't kill you so there's no when do we say now rava's going back to the second din that when ruven gets it back he has to pay Shimon, which is amazing because once we establish it was stolen why would he have to pay him when does he have to pay him? Only if he's a known person to sell his utensils. But if he never sells his utensils, going to Dafkuf Desvov, Loi, Lahaduri, Ah, I correct myself. What Rav is saying is that the limitation of the Mishnah, that you need to have such a specific rumor, and if not, what do we say? Maybe he sold it. That's if he's known to sell his Kalem. So he's claiming theft. How do you know it was theft? So you have to have a rumor that's almost, it's almost like Adem already. I mean, you don't have Adem that Shimon took it, which is why Shimon gets his money back, but you have to know that this was stolen. If, if he's a person that doesn't sell his utensils, then you don't need so, so many details. And like Rashi says over here, you don't need for the witnesses to say, for the rumor to be safer, plenty of plenty. those. Svarim were stolen. You have to have witnesses that say that there was a geneva and people were seen leaving a tunnel. But you don't have to get into the details. Says the Gemara, well, if you don't have the details, so why don't you say, he normally doesn't sell his utensils, maybe he needed money, and he did sell now. Maybe Ruven now needed money, and and he did sell. answers but Since there is a rumor already, and that's not a rumor that Shimon could have made, a rumor that came from other guests who saw people leaving the house like thieves. So in the balance of things, and together with that, Reuven doesn't sell his utensils. So in such a case, you don't need for the rumor to be so specific, Reuven takes it back. But again, Reuven has to pay to the buyer. The victim has to pay the buyer. That's part of what we call Takana Sashuk. Continues the Gemara more about Takana Sashuk. It was stated, umachar that if after Levi was the Ganav, in our example, and Shimon is the innocent buyer. And at the Mishnah, we learned that when Ruven retrieves his stolen item from the buyer, Mipnei Takana Sashuk, he has to give to Shimon the money. Question will be what happens if we discover who the Ganef is. So now there is an option of Levi, the Ganef, having to compensate Shimon. Question is, does Ru'uven have to give money to the buyer, to Shimon? Or maybe now that we know who the Ganef is, let the buyer go deal with the Ganef. So here we have a machoike Samurai. Rav in the name of Rebbe Chia says, Hadin im harishayim. Now we will taich Hadin as Rashi explains. We'll understand Rav as meaning the balabas, Which means, Ruven, not the buyer. The balabas has to deal with the ganav. We still apply takana sashuk. The buyer, the lakeach shimen, will get the money from Ruven. Now that you know who the ganav is, so lucky owner, but the buyer has zero headache. However, Dabi al Rabbi, Meshmei, Rabbi Yana, says the way we're learning it now, that hadin im Hasheni. Meaning that the Balabas doesn't have to deal with the Ganaf. The Balabas retrieves his item from Shimon. We don't have to make a kanashruk here because Shimon has whom to go. Now that we know that Levi stole it, and he'll get his money back from Levi. Says on this Rabbi Yosef that lay plaguy, That really, Rav and Rabbi Eichnen don't argue. Khan, when Rabbi Eichnen says, there is no takana sashuk? This is what we spoke out, because when we learned the Mishnah. We are referring to a case that the owner did not yet have Yush. And therefore, as we learned, in the beginning of this Patek, that even when a third party is innocent, if the owner still owns the article because he did not have mizegoyv, which means that the owner can retrieve it from the buyer without having to pay him any money. And therefore, the one who has the headache, who has to deal with the ganav, Shimon has to deal with the ganav, Khan and Rav, who said that even though they discovered the ganav, Ruven has to compensate Shimon, the buyer, that's because it was La'acher Yush. And therefore, really, La'acher Hayyush, Shimon should get to keep it. But other rabbin, Meprekt HaKon HaSashuk, they decreed that Reuven gets it back, but Reuven has to compensate. HaDin Im HaRishayin That shita's Rabbi Yosef, And therefore Vitarvayu, as we explained, hold of Rab Chizda. Now Abaye disagrees with Rabbi Yosef, And normally Abaye, Veloy, Pligi, are you telling me that they don't argue? Ha, behold, Matnas Kuhunam. The din is, and here there's a Machleikas Tanoim. Whether the following halacha only applies in Eretz Yisrael. If I'm not mistaken, that Chita's Rabbi Rabbi Rabbiloy and the other Chachamim who hold that the following applies everywhere, and that's called Matnois Kona de Matanois, which means that from an ox or from a sheep or from a goat, when a commoner slaughters it, in other words, in non Hegdish animals, the Zroya, the this is the front right leg, and the Lachoyaim, which are the jaws which, if I'm not mistaken, that includes the tongue, and the keiva, an animal, a kosher animal, has four stomachs, one of these stomachs are called the keiva, in English I think it's called the moa, they have to be given to a kain. Now, the din is, the Gemara takes it for granted, that matonis matnis kuhune ke lifne A kain never has yush. That means if he doesn't get it from the butcher, he can collect it from the buyer. And nevertheless, a buyer is gonna prove that in such a scenario, still there will be a machlekes, and not like you're saying, v'loi pligi, where do we see that? The So the Mishnah says like this, that if a buyer tells a butcher, may I want to buy the entire interior of the cow, and b'hen matonais, and in there you have the keva. The keva really should be given from the butcher to the client, the butcher did not give it to the client, the butcher sold it to the buyer. So the din is, says the Mishnah that if what was articulated during the sale, sell me the me'ayim. Okay, he didn't charge him extra for the keva, and therefore no theft happened. Noisn'an la'kayin, the buyer gives the keva to the kayin, and the ein and he cannot deduct anything off the price that they agree to because the butcher. Is gonna rightfully claim he never charged them for the cava to begin with. However, here's the problem: if Laka Kimen of Mishkal, if it was bought on weight, in other words, he paid for the full weight. Really, the kava should not have been sold to the buyer because the cava belongs to the coin. Says, let's read it with the Bach, Bemishkal, noisen Le Kayan. The buyer has to give the cava to the kayin. In other words, the owner just compared to the case of our Mishnah. The owner in our Mishnah is here the owner is the Kayan. The Rishayin, the Ganef, is the butcher. And the Lekeach, the Shani is the buyer. So, umenakele hadamim, meaning that he deducts it off the money that he pays to the butcher. In other words, when the kayan takes the Keva, the kayan does not pay to the buyer for the Keiva. He takes it, and the buyer gets his money back from the butcher. And on this says, Rav, and other, there's no takana sashuk, but on this says, Rav, that's only correct if the buyer was the one that initiated the theft. He was the one that did the weighing, so therefore, of course, he won't get his money back. But Rav makes it clear, and again, here we're taking it for granted that the matnas kuhunar are never despaired by the kayan, so there's no Yush and still. Rav is saying that in such a case, if the one that waited to the buyer was the tabach, the butcher is the ganif, then hadin which means that the client does have to pay the money to the buyer, and the client now has to deal with the butcher to get his money back. In other words, the is clearly saying that even Lifna Yiyush, even when you know what the Ganav is, we still apply this din of the Mishnah, Takana Sashuk, which is that the owner has to give the money back to the buyer. To which Rabbi Yosef responds, don't learn that shot in the Mishnah, Ema say that what Rav is learning in the Mishnah is af din him atabog. No, since you know the ganafif if the Koyin wants, the Koyin can pick up the kever from the buyer without paying him anything. Kishitas Rabbi Yosef and Shitas Rav. However, what Rav is adding is that if the Koyin wants, the claim doesn't have to pick up the kever by the buyer, the Koyin can go to the Ganaf to the butcher, and tell the butcher, you sold my kever. Give me its value in other words the client has a choose he can even go to the butcher and what, what what's the hidish here now the in other words that should be the din. right some isagover right a so explains rabbi yosef in Rav's explanation in the Mishnah the Ta'mar you would have thought that we would say like by land that karka einen nizelus. we might say that ein matonis koona that you can never steal matnas koona meaning that wherever the cave is it's always considered to be birushosakain meaning the butcher never stole meaning yeah the coin picks it up from the lekayach but the client doesn't have even the option just to get its value from the Butcher. So for that, Komash Mulan, that af din ima That is the way Rabbi Yosef explains Rav in the Mishnah. Abaya strongly disagrees. Abaya holds that the machlekas between Rav and Rabbi Echenon is even before Yush. In other words, Rav says we still apply Takana Sashuk and Rabbi Echenon holds that in says the Gemara will abide on my plea, give him my plea. So the Gemara says that what will be under their argument, Gavaldik, will be in Abkhizda. What does Rabkhizda say? That if the owner doesn't have Yush, then he remains the owner and he can pick up his article from the third party. And therefore, why would he have to pay him? That's the holding of Rabkhizda. Rav will disagree with Rabkhizda as we learned in the beginning of this paidik, Rami Barhama, he holds that even before you, since the buyer is innocent, the owner cannot pick it up from him. Now, actually, what we're learning here is, is that if the article is the he takes back his article, but he has to give him the value. He has to give him the money. Mm-hmm. That is the way Rav Yesef learns, that's the way Abaya learns, now we're learning another interpretation. In the Machoikes Rav Rav Yechenen, Rav Omar, Kegayind, Adarav. We're speaking, Rav and Rav Yechinen are referring to a case that there was Yush, but the sequence of Yush is not like the sequence we were learning until now. Until now we were learning, when it comes to a third party, that when there is Yush and Shino Rishus, so now the, the other party owns it. Here, what would happen if first there was de d'ishus and only then there was Yush? Was at that point once the buyer bought it, like in the case of our mishnah, the owner was Reuven. Levi stole it. When Levi stole it, Reuven did not give up hope yet. There was no Yush. Levi sold it to Shem, and he still didn't give up hope. Now he gave up hope. So the question is, do we say that if the Yush happened after the de d'ishus, so now the buyer never acquired it, or since there was both? even though it was out of the normal order bottom line is you have both shinadishos and you have yush and the, and therefore the owner the buyer does own it, and that will be the underlying machlaikas. <laughs> the owner did not despair when it was still in the hands of the Ganuf. <laughs> that only Yehush and then Shinirishos, only then do we say that the buyer owns it. However, if there is Shinirishos and then there is Yush, so therefore Loikani does not acquire it, and if he did not acquire it, that's the key. Then the owner can demand the article without needing to pay to in our case Shimon. Now, if they would not identify the Ganif, so part of the khidish of Takana Sashuk would be that he has to pay him. However, now that we identify the Ganif, there's no Takana Sashuk. Masha Ink and Rav says Laishna. Now look at the Gavaldekite of what Rashi interprets here. Rav is Rav Zvir is saying that being that Rav holds. That it doesn't matter in what sequence, if you have both Shinur and Yush, the buyer acquired it. That would mean that not only that the owner would have to pay, in our case, the would have to pay Shimon. Rashi says, I'm reading inside Rashi, that the buyer acquires it. He cannot even give him the money and take it back. That's what the Rav is saying. Wow. So it's the key of Dermakhloik is not about Hukar Haganov, but it's about when there was Yush. Obviously, it doesn't fit well into the words of Rav and Abi Ikhnun. And now we're going to have the final interpretation of Der Machlekes, which is Rav Papa. What is very interesting is that we learned the top of the, the Itmar the way Rashi explained it. And the way Rashi explained it is that when Rav said the words that Hadin Imharishain, Rav was speaking about the Balabas. That the balabas deals with the means the balabas has to pay the buyer. The balabas knows who the Ganef is, the balabas has to go get the money back from the Ganef. Rav Papa is actually interpreting the whole statement of Rav the opposite. Let's read it inside. Rav Papa Omar, first of all, Rav Papa is going to hold that they both hold of Rav Khizna. Rav Papa is going to hold that the case of Dirma Chlaikis is when there was no Yush. in other words, the only question is. Money, who does the money come from? Who has to deal with the ganif? And the glima, the kola'alma, li pligi the amare like we said, right some is a as Rab'chizah. For Haqhe, the question is, but also by Takana sashlighi, being that the Ghanaf was found, did they say that the owner has to pay the buyer? Rav in the name of rabchia, holds. Now look how we're gonna touch the opposite. Hadin, meaning the din of the Loy the buyer has to deal with the Ganif. Meaning, the owner does not give him back the money. We don't make takanas Sashuk. That dina delekeach the, the lishkol zuzim Rav is the one, according to Rav Papa, that holds voli yosu beik takanas Rabbi Eichen in the name of Rabbi Anna, he says Ma asheini, meaning the din of the lekeach gavaldig the lishkol libal habayis. Even in this case, we make takanas Sashuk. Asks the Gamara, are you telling me you Rav Papa that Rav holds the Sava Rav that Loi also buy takana sashuk? Because we know who the Ganif is. So there's a logic to that. But how can that be Shita Sanav when Rafuna, who was tell me Rav Hava? As we keep on learning. So after Rav passed away, Rav Sava took over the yeshiva. And after he passed away, Rav Huna Amarafuna Marav. And it's a given that a Talmud will pass and like his Rebbe. So what happened by Rafuna that there was a Hanan Bisha, if you remember, in Flamed Zayin, when we learned the Dinofah Toikeya v'chaverai, there we were learning a Mishnah about Boshes, and the Mishnah says, you have to give a half a Sela, which means Sela Medini, as we learned there. And Hanan Bisha hit someone on the ear, or shouted on someone's ear, and, the, and, and he was told to pay the half a Sela, he only had a full Sela. But the seller that he had was an inferior quality coin. He gave it, he wanted change from the victim. The victim didn't want to accept that inferior quality coin. So Hanan, the wicked, that's why he was called the wicked, he hit him again. So he says, okay, good, now you don't owe me anything. So Hanan Bisha, once gone of Galima, he stole the cloak. And Vizabna, and he sold it. And the case here invited is that the owner found it in the hands of the buyer. And the question is whether the owner will have to pay the buyer or whether the buyer will get the money back from Chanan Bisho. So Asala Rafuna and tells that person, Zil Shorei go redeem your pledge. In other words, you gotta pay the buyer. He told the owner, you have to pay the buyer. Even though we know what the Ganuf is. Clearly Rafuna's paskening not like Rav, if that's the meaning of Rav. Now, why would he not Paskin like his Rebbe? Is that not a raya that you're not understanding Pshat and correctly? Says, Rab zavid Nisht, I am understanding Pshat and correctly. Shana, Hanan Bishah, Kiven de Lishtaluma Minei, He's called Hanan the Wicked. Meaning, that we know who he is, but it will be very difficult, if not impossible, to get the money out of him. So therefore, it's Kisholaihuk Ardami, it's as if we did not discover who the Ganav and and Kula Al Maidah, that is Takana Sashuk. That even though but if you take, if the owner takes his, art, his item back from the third party who in his innocence bought it, he needs to be compensated by the owner. It says the Gemara, another din im Ganath Mefursam who that whenever a buyer buys an item from a known thief, here we don't make a Takana Sashuk. In other words, who asked you to buy it from a thief? Should you, know, you should have known that the ganaf is telling in the vast majority stolen articles. Everyone knew him to be Hanan, the wicked one. And still, in our case, they made Takana Sashuk, answers the Gemara, one second. He was known for his wickedness, however, no one knew that he was a Ganav. Sadly, one thing leads to the other. But it was not known yet, and therefore, we apply Takana Sashuk. He is like so even Rav will hold that you have to pay him the money. The owner pays him the money, and the owner has to deal with this character, Khanan Bishaw. Itmar was stated, if a person stole, and he used the stolen item to pay back a debt. Now think about it. The lender did not lend him the money on a mashkin, which was a stolen, stolen item. That was not the case. So therefore... The logic behind Takana Sashuk does not apply over here. Takana Sashuk means that if a person in his innocence will buy something in the market and later if it's discovered that that item was stolen, he'll lose it, people will refrain from doing business and you have to have, you know, the market circulating. But when people are lending money even without a mashkin, so then if they got repaid by a stolen item, then the owner takes it back, and the owner doesn't have to compensate that lender. Let the lender deal with the gan of the borrower. Likewise, gan of if a person bought something on credit and then later they paid with a stolen item, the owner doesn't have to deal with the third party. Like Rab Khizda says, the way we're learning now, if there's no yield, she owns it, he takes it back, and the person who got the stolen article from a Ghan will have to go deal with the Ghan of himself. The Omni because we say, lo'i adata da'hanu Yehovah'sli They did not initially do their business based on the stolen item. They lent the money beforehand. They gave him food on credit. Another example, says the Gemara, mashkante, shave masan If a person lent money, but he wanted collateral, and the collateral was a stolen item. Now, normally when people give collateral, the item that they take has to have a lot more value than the loan itself like today think about it you buy a house right gone are the days that if the house is worth a million you don't have to put a down payment you have to put down on 30% today in other words your debt is of 700,000 your house which is the mashkin, is worth a million the mashkin has to be worth more than the debt so if the mashkin was the way Moshkins normally are more than the debt and it turns out that the Moshkin was stolen you did lend the money on the guarantee, so we make the takanas sashuk. So the lender should not be afraid to lend. People will stop lending, that's the worst thing. by takanas However, the question is, what happens if it was an unusual mashkin, meaning that the value of the mashkin was exactly the value of the loan. Shava bishave. Normally, that would not be a valid mashkin. So you can argue, it's ki'ilu, there's hardly a mashkin. Or, on the other hand, no, he took the mashkin. So here we have a machleke A Ameimer says, loyosuvay takanas <speaking in> ha-shuk. <Hebrew> Marzutra says yes. Also, by takana sashuk. Here we have in parentheses whether we'll read it here or not. Let's read it. But we're going to have this later in a few lines from now. And the halacha is that they did make takana sashuk. Another example: What happens if zivina shava bishava? If a person stole an article and he sold it for its value. So then, that's Takon HaSashok. However, Shavama Meyob What happens if a person, God forbid, he stole, he stole a Shmata, worth a hundred, and he sells it for two hundred. So here you can argue that the person who bought this article and paid double, really he was giving a gift. He wanted to give him the dignity for that person to feel that he made up a business deal. Voharaya, he paid double. Now the question is, if, if the item that he stole is like a stolen. The item that he bought is stolen. And the owner is taking it back. Can he say to the owner, I want my uh, $200 that I got for it? Rapshesha says they did not make Takana Sashuk because the whole thing was really a gift. And Ravas says they did make Takana Sashuk. And on this, thing, Gemara says, or in both cases, the only case where there is no Takana Sashuk, the first two cases that we learned, which is a person who got a loan without any guarantee who later paid back, the borrower paid back with a stolen item, or if a person bought an article on credit and later he paid back with a stolen item, since the people lent him the money or gave him the article without anything. So there's no fear by the owner taking back what's theirs and not paying for it, it's not gonna stop any shook, it's not gonna stop or prevent any type of flow of capital in the market continues the Avimi Barnoze, who was the Hamuah de Ravino. Avimi was the father-in-law of Ravino and we'll see in a moment Ravino, the big Ravino. He was the Rav in over his father-in-law. Obviously, uh, both parties agree to that. Havamasik Bahu Gavra Arbo Avimi was owed for Zeus And Gonav Gilima the debtor Stole a cloak and asyon ni and he brought it to Avimi and Keilu. This is paying my 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 debt, but lend me more money. So he lent him another four zoos. Think about it. The first loan was before any collateral. We just learned that in this case, there's no Takana Sashok. He paid him back with the stolen item. But then he gave him another four zoos. How do you look at that second four zoos? And then they discovered who the Ganaph is. And they came in front of Ravina. Again, it must be that both the other side accepted Ravina to be thereof. So Ravina Paskin like this. Come, the first four zoos since you lent him the money without collateral, so when the owner, the rightful owner, took back his cloak, the rightful owner doesn't have to pay you, my father-in-law, the four Zuz. However, he did something good for, for Avimi. Why did you give him the next four Zuz? Because he just gave you a cloak. Ah, and now that he's, if he's going to lose the cloak without getting compensated, so in the future he might not lend money. That's the takanas Sashuk. For that the owner who wants to take it back has to give you the four zuz. So on that, Rav Koyen heard this Psag in and he didn't like it. Why didn't he like it? And he said, V'Dilma, why didn't you say differently? Glima Bahani Zuzi kamo yohavani The first loan was given without collateral. When he gave him the stolen cloak, as everyone is Maida, the first four zoos he's going to lose. In other words, the owner doesn't have to give him back the value of the cloak vis-a-vis the first loan, because this is Mamish Gana, uparbu or upbeyfe. And not only that, asked Rav even the Arba Zuze Basroi, he did not give him four zoos based on a collateral. The cloak was a repayment for the first loan. Now he gave him another loan without collateral. So the owner should be allowed to pick it up without paying anything. Is he He trusted him again, even though he trusted him because he got a cloak, but he didn't give it because the cloak was collateral. So he challenged the psagdim, and he del milsa. This is Gavaldik. You know this 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 machloikis rolled, and it came in front of Rababohu. and he was like a final authority, and he says that the halach indeed is like Rav Kohen. Perhaps there's an underlying message. He was a relative, even though both sides agreed. You know, he was trying to help out his father in law. Continuous Gemara. That Nashra'a, Nashra'a is the name of a place. Now, someone, a resident of the city Nashra, Gonav Sifra stole the safe. And zavne La he sold it to a person who lives in Papuna for Taman and Zuza for 80 zuz. Now, if we stop the story here, if the owner of the sefer discovers his sefer, right? One approach here, Lifnei Yush, he'll take it back. Takana Sashuk, I'll have to give him 80 Zuz. But the story didn't stop here. This papuna no went, and he sold it to a Leke Achsheni. He sold it to someone the bar Mechoizah, to someone who lives in Mechoizah. And he made profit, and he sold it for 120 Zuz. That's the question. And now we recognize the Ganif. now the question is, number one, Ravur Rabbi Number two, even the way we're learning pshat, that we don't make, like Rab that we don't make Takana that we, like Rabbi that we make Takana Sashuk, that the owner has to pay the Lekeach, how much? Now, the Lekeach paid 120. But maybe Takana Sashuk will suffice for the owner only having to pay the first 80. So look inside the Gemara. So Abayah says, Leizel Marei Sifra that the owner of the Sefer has to give to the Bar Mechoizoa, eighty. Because the first seal was for eighty. The problem is is that the Chayzah is not going to lose forty. That at least should be on him. And the owner gets a safer. And the Pupana will have to get the forty from the resident of pupana. And that challenges Rava. One second. As we are learning that even when we recognize the ganif, we still make takana sashuk. me I'm sorry. Not when we recognize. mi The din of, of takana sashuk is that that the owner has to pay whatever this buyer. Bought it from a thief. If the buyer bought it from another innocent person, then for sure he should be fully compensated. So another disagrees. and overholds, that all the way the owner has to give the buyer, which now has his safer, whatever that one paid. It paid 120, take 120, and I'll take his safer back. And now the owner lost 120, so the owner will have to compensate it. But he cannot get compensation from one. He's going to get from the Papunah, who earned on his stolen artem 40. He'll get that 40 from him. And then from the Ghana from Narsha, he's going to get back the 80. With this we conclude, Takana Sashuk. And moving on to the next Mishnah. Says the Mishnah, they were speaking about people who suffer a loss when they save someone else's property? When will the owner of the saved property be obligated to compensate? We just had this din um, to Dafego and Daf Yud Bays. if I'm not mistaken. or Yud gimel. Baruch Hashem, we're moving, or maybe Kuf Yudal, if we just had this a few daf ago. Zeba one person is going with his barrel of wine. Zeba here's what we had in the beginning of the Meshachah, that the Mishnah is interchanging chavis and kad, a jug, a barrel, it means the same thing. One had a, a jug or a barrel of wine, another person owned a barrel of honey. And honey, as we mentioned, is more valuable than wine. And Nisdika ha'yishol the one who owned the honey had his barrel cracked, and he will lose his honey, so came along the owner of the Chavis of Yain, and he poured out his wine, to use his empty barrel now to save the honey for it not to get lost. And now the wine owner wants to be compensated from the honey owner. Says our Mishnah, this is not like we just learned from Rabbi Shmuel Benoi, that he included this in Takanas or in Tanai Yehoshua, he, that our Tana holds, Loi El If he did not articulate, if the owner of the wine did not articulate anything before he spilled his wine out to the honey owner, he cannot get more other than, Rashi says, the labor for his working and saving the honey, whatever the going rate is, and he can charge for the rental of his barrel, which will obviously be less than the value of the wine. However, says the Mishnah Chiddush, even according to this Tana. If the wine owner said to the honey owner before he poured out his wine, I will now save your honey. However, he told him, But you will pay me for my wine? The honey owner did not say anything. Here, that no Kenyan was made. Nevertheless, that's a valid statement, and it's binding. Here, the honey owner will have to compensate, and it's not only a chiddush because there was no kingin, but as we learn in Davkuf Teh that there is a concept that we say sometimes in other places, I was just joking with you, we don't say that over here. And he has to compensate him for the wine. And now the Mishnah, seemingly, is repeating the same din in a different scenario. Obviously, if it's exactly the same din, the Gemara is going to explain that there is a novelty in the following case. There was a river that, uh, you know, flooded an area. And the river swept away Reuven's donkey and Shimon's donkey. And it happened to be shaloi of a mana, let's say Reuven's donkey was only worth one mana, a hundred dollars, and his friend Shimon's donkey was worth 200 mana, 200 dollars, 200 zoos. And now Reuven can only save one of the two. Now, he owned his, but he thought to himself, I'll save the other ones. Hiniach ze eshaloi. He went ahead and he let his drown, and he used his time to save chaveroi. And after he saved Shimon's donkey, he tells Shimon, "I want you to compensate me for my lost donkey." So the din is al elaschari. That uh, no, since nothing was articulated according to the stana, he only gets the, the, the wage that one would pay for someone to swim in a river and, and save a donkey. Whatever that is, it's definitely worth less than the donkey. However, here again, the im amarli if Uven, before he went to save Shimon's donkey, told him, I want you to know that I'm going to save yours, however, but you will compensate me for my loss. Number one, Shimon did not say anything, but he didn't refute it. Number two, there was no king inmate. And as we just spoke out, we don't say, then, asks the Gemara, let's go back to the first case of the Mishnah, and we spoke this out on Teisus, the first time we learned this in the Masech, um, one second, hold on, the wine owner is saving the honey and he's fighting with the honey owner whether he's gonna give him all the value of his wine or only his char. Why don't we say that the wine owner now owns the entire honey? Gavaldik? why? Because the moment the barrel of the honey cracked, L'chura, he uh, gave up hope. He saw that his stuff is getting lost. And it should become, if he has Yerush, it should become Hefkid. And now the wine owner acquired it from Hefkid. malay. why doesn't the wine owner tell the honey, the original honey owner, mefkeidah kozachinah, it's all mine. Gabalik. And me Tanya did me not learn The person had jugs of wine and jugs of oil and and he sees that they are breaking. He should not say that whatever I have here should be truma, should be miser on produce that I have in my house. Parenthetically, obviously not in every case is such a thing even possible. We'll speak this out We learned this I think the last time in Saito Flamid that for one to give truma you have to give only from that which is gathered in front of you it's called minhamukaf but if i have two piles and they're not together then you can't separate from one over the other by the way that's only the din on truma when a levy is giving giving from his miser truma trumas miser there is no rule of minhamukaf and there are other exceptions where if not for the current wine or oil being ruined or being lost, he would be allowed to separate it. But look at the you know, it's wrong to do it. Wapshot well, wrong to do it, you know, it's, he's gonna lose it anyway. He wants to minimize his loss and he wants to throw the loss on the kayan. So the braisa says that don't do it, not only don't do it, but the im amar amar klum. And if he made that declaration, it's not valid. Why? Because since his jugs cracked. The wine and the oil are getting lost. So he has yush. And if he has yush, it becomes hefkit. If he becomes hefkit, it's not his. If it's not yours, you cannot use it to to separate it for Tumu ISIS. So the question is, so we have to limit the case of our Mishnah. So the Gemara answers that just like we will learn soon, Elsewhere, that Kisha Ekel Beisabad Korach Aleha, there were barrels that had a certain type of netting that was commonly put on barrels of oil, sometimes on barrels of honey or on barrels of wine. It was a netting that even if the barrel were to crack, it would not allow the barrel to crack open. It would keep the pieces close enough together. True, some honey would be dripping out, but very little of it. There is no yush and it's not Hefkir. Now, Nevertheless, honey is dripping out, so the wine owner felt he's doing a service because his barrel is Bechlal not cracked, and he was hoping to get compensated. And that's the din of the Mishnah. Point is that ena khanami, if the honey barrel mamish broke, it's hefker, and the wine owner can take it from hefker. But that's not the case of the Mishnah. Hakinami, the Mishnah is only Now, now that we quoted the Brisa, hold on. Says the Gemara, it says in the Brisa, not where there was a net in the prices that there was no net that the person's barrels are breaking the person wants to make this into the coin's property one second i have a stita because if a person is traveling and he has money with him and he sees a robber coming towards him so he should not say that the produce that i have in my house that is my that I'm allowed to redeem on money, let them be redeemed on this money. Now, the truth is that Maiser Shani also belongs to the owner. Or the owner can benefit from it in Yerushalayim. But nevertheless, if he's going to lose it, he would rather lose Maiser Shaini than to lose Khulan that he can benefit anywhere. So here also says the Baray, so you should not make that declaration. However, the Imam, but if you make the declaration, then the Bar of Kayamin. Now the question is, if you're telling me that when you are going to lose something, it's yush and it's hetker, then how can we be word of kayyomin? So the Gemara answers, that in this latter, but I saw, it must be speaking about a case, that you see a ganuf, but you know that if you really want, you can fend the ganuf away, you can save it, so you don't have yush. So one second, so the Gemara says, then why can't he save it? So you can make it into Maishusheni. Answers the Gemara that the B'raise speaking about a case you can fend off the Gana with difficulty and therefore don't do it but you don't have Yush. asks the Gemara one second you're telling me that since there might be a loss there is a likelihood of loss at least don't designate this for anything holy certainly not to give it to a coin for Truma or Truma Smaiser, and now Vahatanya, and we're going to call this the second Braisa. And this Braisa is speaking about Hadesh, and here we're speaking about a Levi, because a Levi who's giving Truma Smaiser is not bound by the law that we just mentioned that it has to be given in Hamukkah. So a Levi has 10 barrels of Tevil, that's Tame. Now, it's good to remember that Truma, that's Tame in as much as midai so raisa, you're not allowed to eat it, but it's mutter bahana'a, so you know wood was used for fire, oil can be used for fuel, wine is problematic, you can't eat it. But when speaking it out, there was a common use of wine that is called ziluf, which means to sprinkle wine around the home to give a good aroma. So it says the b'raisa, this second b'raisa, the levy saw that one of them is cracking, one of them is becoming broken, and he wants to do the same shtick. Anyways, it's going to be broken. Let me give this to the coin. Or, sh'nezgao saw, or if the barrel was left uncovered, and as we learned a while back, that Chazal made a on, this is more because of danger. And by the way, when it comes to takanas because of danger, in many, in many, in many ways we are more stringent. It's called chamira sakanta mi Surah. Now, when it comes to the following five liquids, wine, when it comes to water, when it comes to milk, honey, and fish brine, Chazal said that in those days where there were many snakes and scorpions around where people lived, if those five, let's speak about water and wine, were left uncovered, for, in, for enough time that a snake could have come and drank and deposited some of its venom in it and left you're not allowed to drink it because it might be a farsamt. Now if you had one barrel that was uncovered so now you can't use it says Debraiso oimer hare he trumas that by wine the levy could designate this wine as trumas Smaiser. However, by oil, he should not do that. Explains the bray, so what's the difference? Because oil, even though the oil is tummy, the oil can be used for fuel. So giving it, now that it's cracked, so if fuel has just as much value as consumption. So it has real value. Now that this is cracked and you're designating this as truma, you're making a big loss to the coin. Don't do that. But if to begin with, even if it wouldn't have been correct, the case of the wine. Wine, the is gonna ask about why not sprinkle it for a good scent. We're gonna, it must be speaking about a case that, that, that would not be applicable here. So it has anyways very little value. So if it anyways has a little value, then you could do it. Now what's the kasha? The Gemara is equating minimal loss with possible loss. That if this b'risa is accepting, that by wine where there is minimal loss. stomach he can't use it anyway, you can l'chathchila give it. So the kasha will be, on the first b'risa, if a ganaf is coming, and there is a likelihood of full loss, there the b'risa says, yeah, if you, if you did it, it's good, but l'chathchila don't do it. Here we're saying you can l'chathchila do it. Again, that's the equation that possible loss should be like little loss, and they should have the same din, and it's not consistent. Here it says, don't do it And here it says you can do it So The answer is Rabbi that here, that's the Rabbi Yirmiyah That the Braisa, the last Braisa is That the wine is not going to spill out a lot. And therefore, you can L'Chathchila do it because to begin with it's Tameh. And not only is it Tameh, but if you're going to give it to the coin, the coin is not going to fully lose it anyway. So it's mamish a minimal loss, then you can do it you gave a good answer in the case of the B'risa, Bish and Ishbarah, Dataka Whatever it's good for, it's hardly going to be worth less. It's not worth to begin with that much, so everything is good. Even Lachat Hila. Elan is Gausa, but if the issue is that it was left uncovered, and as we mentioned, Chamir Sakantami Surah, which means that it has no value, Lamai again, how can you give it? It's worth nothing. How can you give it to the kohen? And if you're going to say that chazil aziluf, that the coin can use it to sprinkle vahatanya, it's not true. We learned that ma'im shenizgalu, waters that were left uncovered. Hadezel lo You're not allowed to pour them out, because if a person has a cut on his foot and kimenhagam, and then they didn't have our types of shoes, so that sandals or open shoes that the water can seep in with venom of a snake and God forbid. And also the the says. You're not let need knead bricks or knead the clay out of it. There also, if a person has a cut in one's hands, then he might get uh, he might get killed from touching poisoned water. People then had earth floors and sometimes dust came up to keep dust down. You gotta throw water on it. Don't use that as the water to keep the dust down. You can't give your animals, you can't give your, uh, your friends' animals. Some animals are not that sensitive to poison. Some of them are. You can't be, be your, uh, your, your animals or your friends' animals. So the kasha is, if it is farsam, how can you give it to a client? It's not right. There's nothing you can do with it. Answers the gemara, the avarullah that he can use it if he puts it through a strainer. As Rab'ne Chemia taught us, interesting that the venom of snakes, they don't mix easily into water or wine or the milk or the honey they, they're like a sponge they're sponge-like the venom it floats to the top and if you sift it out then it will be good so the cayenne can sift out the venom but masnenes says that in a sifter itself think about it the sifter has two parts the upper part above the sifter and the bottom part what happens if stuff in the sifter was left uncovered so it says in Ebrisa, that's a problem. However, on this says Rav Nechemiah, a that if the sifter itself was left uncovered, you can't use those waters, or wine, or honey, only if the sifter did not fully cover the bottom part. Because the bottom part was partially exposed. Whatever the, whatever the sifter was, didn't go mamish all around. But if the sifter fully covered the bottom, even if the top part of the sifter was left open, there's not a problem why because the poison of the snake is sponge-like. Meaning, it floats above. So therefore, coming back to the latter of the levy can give that barrel of wine that was left uncovered to a kayan because the kayan can make use of it. The kayan has to sift it. He's not doing Lachatchile, he can give it Asks the Gemara one second, did we not learn that Amar of Simayim, in the name of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, that That even this din of Rabbi Nechemia is only Elishaloi terakai, if it wasn't mixed. It means when the venom, when the snake drank water, even if it deposited poison, that poison will float to the top. But if someone later mixed up that cup of water, then you cannot sift it out. And if you're gonna sift wine, I mean, if you're gonna, the client is going to sift the wine, he'll be mixing it. Words, he's going to have to pour it out of one barrel through a sifter. That alone is going to mess it up. if it was mixed up, or answers the gemara. No. Yeah. If the, if the client shakes the barrel, then he can no longer use it. But if he gently pours it on top of a material that will sift out the poison, then this wine will be drinkable. I imagine, no, I don't know how people are going to drink it, but no, that's the kind. HaKhinami, the Damanach, Midi, Apu B'nechavis, you can put something on top of the barrel, and the Shafelay, and you can pour it out slowly. Frek, the Gemara, hold on. Rabnechem Nechem Yom, Reb Yom, Mi Torminon, you're telling me that this B'raisa goes in the case, Kishitas, Reb Yom, we learned, that a levi is allowed to designate from one tame produce on another tame produce. Likewise ala alat from one tail on another toy. A Yisrael can do that only if they're together. Minamukov. Truma doesn't have to be Minamuk. Likewise, U you can give from pure and impure only a levi. A Yisrael cannot do that. If I give my truma, even though I think I'm doing a great thing, I'm giving the Kayan from my tahar on my tameh, if it has to be minamukav, I might bring them together, and I might touch them, and I might make everything tameh. However, again, the levi doesn't have that limit. Aval, the Tanakama says, Aval lo'i minatamei ala Rav says, af lo'i minatamei ala toher. Lo'i itiru demai. So, one second, how So, one second. How can we be speaking about a... Ten barrels, one of them was Tomei. If they are all Tomei, you're not allowed to separate as Maistre's because of the rule. Only if it's not certain Untithed produce only if it's only rabbinically untithed produce called demai answers the Gemara. Well, you'll have to answer that the Brice is only speaking about demai. o my we learned before ubechem layasekain <laughs> that if the, the barrels were oil, in other words, they have real value to the kain, and now you're giving the one that's cracked to the kain. Don't do that. Kayan, because there's a great loss. But wine, there isn't such a great loss, because it's tummy anyway, he can't drink it. Frek, Digamara, hold on. Maishnad is Why is shaman, even though it's tummy, considered of great value to the Kayan? Because the Hadlik? Because he can use it? Yeah, he can't consume it, but he can use it for fuel. nami, wine, can be used for ziluf, for sprinkling. And if you're gonna tell me that sprinkling is not a, a, a common thing, or not considered something important, you know, aromatizing, the area with wine, it's not true. When Shmuel taught in the name of Rabkia, that you should know, that besella—that a person who will, will spend one cellar to buy a lug of wine to drink, that person keeping that same standard of living should spend two cellar for the same one lug, you're getting double as good wine for, the, for aromatizing. So aromatizing was something that had tremendous value, so, and that can be done with Shemen, with Yayin, that's Tomei, so it does have great value, and we're saying that if something is of great value, then the Levi should not give it to the Kayin? Answer is the Gemara, it must be, Hacharomai Eskinon, that the wine was khadash, it was a freshly made wine. Wine gets a better aroma. Interesting, the older it gets, the better it smells. Go figure, that's wine. Ay, baha ro, y'li, Okay, even if it's new, Wait until it gets old, you know, old is one thing that for sure with time we all get there. Answers the Gemara, ah, since it's Tomei, you cannot keep it in your house waiting for it to get old, and therefore by wine better, for you then to sprinkle it, because since the wine is Tomei, if your kind will leave it in this house, uh, maybe, ba he'll stumble on it, he'll accidentally drink it, it's Tomei, get rid of it quickly, and you can't sprinkle it, so the kind doesn't have so much value. It doesn't have that much value to begin with. That's why you can give it a the coin. If think about Hashem and Nami, oil, you'll come to what I call, even, even though you're going you're gonna to use it for fuel, but you can't burn it all up in one second. So the Gemara says that oil, you'll remind yourself that it's Tami by putting it into a clay moss, into a repugnant utensil. It's gonna be, why did I put oil in a repugnant? Because I don't want to eat it. Why don't I want to eat it? Ah, because it's Tami. you'll never eat it. So, asks the Gemara, why can't you put the new wine in a repugnant vessel? So, the Gemara answers, You want to make this wine into aromatizing wine. If you put it in something repugnant, it's never going to have a good smell. In other words, if you want to give up a good Ruchnezdik aroma, we got to make sure that our keili is not Ma'uz and Emir to be continued.